0: you are listening to for the love of god podcast
1: welcome to for the love of god podcast a show for christians that keep it real whether you're new to christianity a seasoned christian or dipping your toes in the baptismal water this show is for you join us and strengthen your christian walk play games and discover new music this ain't your mama's christian podcast It certainly is not your Mama's Christian Podcast. Gentlemen. Hello, hello. We are back again, folks. I am here with my co-host, Rick Rieger, and my other one, Nathan Jewell. How you guys doing? Great.
2: Wonderful. Fantastic. I am curious how your mother feels about that whole Not Your Mama's Podcast. Will she even listen to it because of it? I don't think she listens to it. <laughs> Well, that's why, because you said it's not your mama's podcast. She's like, well, I guess I have no part of this.
1: (laughs) Well, however, there is a handful of listeners from my hometown, and my mother could be one of them. She never mentions
2: it, though. Where is your hometown? Sydney, Ohio. Sydney. You have a handful from Sydney? A handful. Very nice. That's, well, that's cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, it might be one person listening to a lot of episodes, but <laughs> over and over, it's just that good. So who knows? Folks, welcome back to For the Love of God podcast. This is Jason, your host, and uh, we have our guests back for another round. Uh, Joshua K. Smith from Mississippi will be here uh, for part two.
2: Yes, kids, settle down. Provided there are no tornadoes. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah,
3: that's probably how sure we should open the conversation. Like, well, have there been any tornadoes today?
2: <laughs> right. So if you, if you um,
1: if you listened to part one, you'd known that we had to cut our interview short because of uh, interference, technical uh, difficulties. He had some bad weather come through, and. Uh, Totally. tornadoes taking out the internet
2: right tornadoes because remember in Mississippi there's nothing but swamps and bad internet
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's right and so if you haven't listened to
1: part one I suggest you start there or you won't start get that there last joke that's for sure yeah start there and then come back to this episode if you haven't listened to that one yet folks we're going to take a short break and when we come back Joshua K. Smith will be with us Hey folks, we would like to say thank you to all of our subscribers for supporting the show. And if you're just finding us, we hope that you choose to subscribe and join us each week for some great discussion and lots of laughs. I also want to take a moment to bring awareness to a new Christian podcast called Exploring the Way, hosted by Troy and Justin, two great guys out of Texas with some great biblical conversations. I'm certainly enjoying it and maybe you will too. I'm back to the show. Okay. So um, Nathan is going to give us a quick recap of last last week. <laughs> we'll just say, um, and then we'll we'll get rolling. Um, so, because Nathan has the notes.
3: I appreciate you, white you putting that together, Jason. Yeah. That does that does wonders for my self confidence. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs>
1: uh, white and nerdy. I've been, wait, I've been waiting two weeks to do that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry, Nathan. Well, so, I'll Just like
3: rip the rug right out. It's, from me it's all, all out of good
1: fun. Okay. Um, no, it's
3: all right. It's right. I can.
1: I can. Work it. <laughs> Uh, anyway...
3: Get Please, the man Nathan, away from the buttons. Give Get us the man away from buttons. Give the give the
2: uh, Joshua, I think we have a lot. He hasn't. He has a lot more buttons this week.
3: <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, okay. yeah,
2: Yeah, it yeah. was yeah. just a little teeny thing with about four buttons, and now we've got uh, you know sixty-four button combinations. It's, it's crazy. Like
3: Moore's law for buttons. Like don't for worry. Two weeks it doubles. <laughs>
2: <laughs> don't worry. I keep it under
1: control. That's awesome.
3: It may have so. AI. I don't know. <laughs> it could,
2: it, we may be talking about this very machine. I, I don't know. All we'll right.
3: see. So for the listeners. Uh, Thanks for joining us again for the next episode here. Uh, The last time we got together with Josh, uh, we were discussing his book, Robotic Persons, and uh, we're talking specifically about some of the problems that are created by having robots in society and being able to interact with them on a person-to-robot basis. So it opens up a whole lot of doors to um, different levels of liability, And there are some real concerns about how do we address those particular aspects of that liability. Uh, One of those is to uh, assign personhood to robots, which is basically not—we're not going to say that they're people or anything like that, but we give them legal rights, including responsibilities and accountability. So if you've not yet had a chance to check out uh, Joshua's book, uh, that's Joshua K. Smith, and it's a title is called Robotic Persons. Please take a few minutes to go to Kindle and download that. It is a, a great read, especially if you are more science-minded and looking forward uh, to kind of expanding your horizons on a topic that, quite frankly, the Christian church has been left out in the cold um, for the large part, mostly due to our our own lack of ability to engage, I should say, we, we tend to be a little slow on the uptake on some of these things. Josh, am I, am I off base on any of this so far?
4: Uh, I'm sure people would disagree with me,
2: but yeah, I would say so. <laughs> <And that's>, <laughs> <laughs> well, but, you know, I think uh, a lot of times yeah. the church just tends to kind of bury our heads in the sand sometimes and not really, you know, we're, we're told in the word of God that we should be separate from the world. And some people take that to, uh, you know, a little too far because we have to get involved in the world. We just aren't supposed to be of the world. So, and I think sometimes we yeah. just bare our head in the sand and, eh, you know, whatever happens, happens. And, and of course we, you know, we get in trouble because we let things happen and it gets out of, out of control. And then we have to come in and try to do damage control. So you're yeah. talking about really in this book is taking a, a more aggressive approach and, get things in place before we get out of control.
3: So let, let's start with this question, Joshua. How is it that Christians can come to the table?
4: Well, I think this is more so like, even before we get into the Christian stuff and our part in this, like just being a consumer in a tech driven world <clears throat> or AI and, and all this stuff is, it's not just a part of our world, but it's a part of our daily life um, you know, understanding what we bring into our, our homes and our cars. Um, and the, the stuff is just so rapidly changing and we have no control over, it. but as, um, consumers, we do have control over the voice that we give to, uh, the advocates for certain policies or, um, certain things that will allow and certain things we we're not okay with because public acceptance, believe it or not, actually drives a lot of what tech is produced um because they're not going to sell it if we don't buy it and and now we may not be like the the leader in you know the military drives a lot of this tech um pornography drives a lot of tech um but we get the back end of it and so i think the first thing you realize is that we do have a say so on, on some level about what's acceptable and what's not acceptable and you have a voice that matters. Um, and if we, you know, come together and with Christians and non-Christians together, just saying that, you know, these are things that were not acceptable, um, you know, lack of privacy, um, being, being used as guinea pigs and all these different things that are happening right now, um, then I think tech companies will listen. And I think, first of all, people just got to be aware that some of this stuff is happening Um, that it does exist. It's not a concern for tomorrow, but for today. Um, And so I think that's where we start. And because there's a lot of overwhelming stuff in this uh, book and in just the whole topic in general, it's very overwhelming. Uh, But just, you know, understanding that your voice matters.
2: Yeah, I've already decided to exercise my voice and I decided I'm not buying a Roomba and instead I'm teaching my dog to use a vacuum. So... That's not going well so far, but I'm going to continue <laughs> on that path.
3: You know, that's actually a really great opening because you know, if you think of of Christians and you go all the way to the farthest reaches of the of the Luddite approach, you kind of mm-hmm. come into the idea of the Amish, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's various degrees that step back from there of how much technology somebody's comfortable with. And yeah. here we are having a conversation about some cutting edge technology. When there's a very large portion of the Christian faith that's like way back here, like I just now got my first computer type stuff. So we have to be very careful to make sure we we bring along everybody for the conversation. So, all right. Well, uh, Jason, do you have any questions prepared or do you want me to just dive on in? Keep going. I'll jump in when I fill it. (laughs) I do have to say on on a personal note, we were reviewing the session from last last week and it was rather impressive how here we were talking about you about robots and because of the weather circumstances you were facing there, you kind of sounded like a robot at, at a few times. So I just thought I should throw out there that he actually is not a robot. We do see him on yeah. the screen. That
2: was pretty
1: cool.
3: Well, we did
2: make some Max Headroom uh, references there. So, um,
1: yeah. You, you said the title of your book, and it came through. <laughs> I
2: like, yeah, perfect
1: timing. I
3: couldn't have planned that.
1: Please, please keep that in there, please. Oh, for sure, for sure. All right.
4: Oh, um, yeah.
3: So we, we kind of started talking about how Christians can, can come to the table. So to recognize that your, your dollars are your voice. And Mm -hmm. as long as we work together and we live out our faith, we can have that larger representation in the, the, the society as a whole as, as a Christian brotherhood and, and sisterhood. So my next question then has to do with one of the dangers of this aspect of, of AI is dehumanization, So Mm -hmm. we didn't really get into this a whole lot last time, but there are some real concerns there. Would you mind telling Mm -hmm. us a little bit about what you see as some of the concerns for dehumanization when it comes to AI?
4: Yeah. um, So let's just think about that term for a second. Um, It's seeing someone as less than less than human, Um, you know, trying to use them as a means to an end. You know, and we think about what a robot is in its nature, it's made to be a, a servant or a slave, um, and there's some studies that you could look at and uh, behind that language it's It's very offensive to a lot of people, but it's a robot is meant to be a slave. that's what it is uh, and so if you think about that and think about why would we want to create that if, you know we know that's bad, and a lot of people in their arguments against uh, why they don't believe in Christianity is because the Bible doesn't you know come out and explicitly say that slavery is bad different topic, but it's just interesting to me that we're OK with certain types of slavery. Um, we're OK with certain types of like categorizing these different roles. And uh, anyway, it's inconsistent sometimes, but dehumanization as far as with robots is uh, when they make us less than human. So if you think about the, the dynamics here, uh, when we're working for a robot, say we you work in the Amaz- uh, Amazon factory, um, and now you're trying to service this robot, um, it may not be AI, it may not be complex, which is even more degrading to me personally. Like it's, it's not, doesn't it have my same, uh, it's, it's not even as complicated as my child and it's thinking stuff. But here I am trying to, to beat the clock and constantly service this robot, so much so that some of them are you know urinating and defecating um, at their workstations because they don't have time to take breaks. Uh, so I think that's dehumanizing in, in a way uh, because we're more than a machine, right? And so the, the analogy, how we think about humans, it changes throughout time. It used to be, you know, you're an animal. Well, now the way that people think about humans is over, our, com- our brain is a computer. And, you know, we think about processors and this type of stuff. It'll change again, I believe, but this, that's now the analogy we have. Um, and I think it's a dangerous one. Because when you come into the workplace or wherever you are and you're now expected to, to work like a machine, um, that's, that's harmful because the machine doesn't Mm -hmm. need breaks. It doesn't need time off. It doesn't need time to process different things. And so likewise with, you know, we're talking about war, uh, war bots or sex bots or whatever it is so much more complicated, but also more dehumanizing in itself. If you think about, um, even the the conflict in uh palestine with israel right now you know 153 people were killed by an ai system and they're they're like bragging about that almost Um, but that's very concerning for me um there's a lot behind that but um that's i think that can be dehumanizing as well like you're you're targeted and killed by a machine right um, versus a combatant, you know, somebody who's you actually have a chance to to win against. And so um, and then I think the sex work just speaks for itself. Um, now people argue too that, you know, sex work is legitimate. Um, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say that your listeners will probably agree that it's it's not um, and it is degrading and, and pornography is degrading. Um, and so I mean, we can go into those arguments if you want. But I I would just say it's pretty obvious that it's it's not going to to end well. And, um, you know, anytime you make something, we wouldn't advocate for rape. We wouldn't advocate for um, Well, maybe some people would. But for most of us in our our sexual ethics, we wouldn't say we we were just going to make something so you can unleash all of your desires upon it. And we would say that's usually not a good thing. Uh, as Christians, and so I think that one for us is just a, a no-brainer. That's that's dehumanizing to to make something that's um, in a lot of ways it it's not dehumanizing to the robot. So let me just clarify what I'm saying here is it's dehumanizing to the user, right? So it's causing a harm to the user, and you know anything that's addictive, anything that doesn't promote virtue in your life um, doesn't have a good end. Uh, as some philosophers would say it I think we could say it, it's it's more harmful than helpful okay and so uh, a lot of people are struggling with that though they're struggling with it um, and their moral compass is a little bit different than ours um, and so I think we have a lot to say as as believers and Christians to try to help through our our view of human nature and what God says about all these things and he talks talks about sexual ethics a lot in the bible now a lot of people don't like what it has to say but you know i try to help people see i live by this rubric i don't get to make um, josh's view of sexual ethics right versus the bible right it it tells me what is a good and bad action um, and then i have to figure out my own conscience and my own actions am i living in light of what jesus said uh, am I living in light of what the whole council of Scripture says? Um, and th- there's some some gray areas in there, right? Especially um, because it tells us what a bad act is sometimes, but not a good act. It's fair, right? And yeah, and so you you kind of have to navigate that. But you know, like with Paul and his ethic in Romans about sexuality, I think we could say, based on what we know about him and his other letters, he would probably be. He probably wouldn't advocate for uh, homosexual relationships and uh, probably wouldn't advocate for certain things. Um, so just, I don't know where you got stand on that, but that's just kind of my reading.
3: So for our, our listeners at home and remind me or, or correct me if I'm wrong, Joshua, but I, I believe you're a pastor, are you not? Yes, I am. So that's one of the, the reasons why we're, we're really excited to talk to you, because not only are we engaging on the topic of the high technology, but we're also getting the, the perspective of, of a man of God. And I, I kind of want to throw it over here to Pastor Rick a little bit. And so, Pastor Rick, we talk about the, the source of our, of our value or our humanity from a Christian perspective. How, how would you define that? I'm sorry, ask the question again? Sure. How would we define our value as of humanity through the Word of God? What does is, what is the Word of God teach us about where our value comes from?
2: About where our value... I, okay, okay i just making sure I understand. Not values, but value.
3: That's correct. As what a what human is being. our value as a human being?
2: Well, um, you know, that's... Uh, <laughs> it's like anything else really what what determines value of anything what determines the value of gold it, is it worth a lot or nothing it depends on how, the consumer right well who created us god so who gets to determine what we're valued it's not us it's not the create, it's not the created it's the creator he determines our value and he told us you know, in a nutshell, that we were so valuable that it was worth sending a son to die on a cross. I'd, I'd say that's a pretty high price that he was willing to pay. So I'm going to say we have a pretty high value okay. <laughs> because we were created in his image. I'm not sure where you're going with all that, but that's no, a real okay. kind of a quick, simple answer.
3: Well, yeah. Jason, do you want to add anything to it?
2: Well, we're a lot more
1: valuable than robots. That's very true. Because so, <laughs> he didn't send Jesus down to die for robots.
3: <laughs> very true. Really appreciated about Joshua's book is it talks about the image of God and how that image of God is transferred onto humanity. And uh, so, Joshua, you mind picking up a little bit and talking a little bit about that?
4: Uh, yeah, it's a complex subject for sure. And uh, I really wrestled with that a lot in my research and, and not even before this, just. Um, Trying to understand, you know, we have basically one verse in Genesis that tries to it communicates something so deep and something so profound, but it doesn't explain exactly what it is. You know, And we have a lot of assumptions about the image of God and uh, what that entails. And, and like Jason said, you know, that it, it's for a lot of people is the focal point of why we're not a dog, why we're not uh, an ape or whatever and um so it is important right because he doesn't say that about anything else he doesn't say that about trees or whatever and um, in different philosophies you have basically we're all one being and um and although i believe it matters how we relate to each other I i do think we are distinct and um and i don't think that robots are the next evolution and i don't think that um you know, I'm related to a monkey <laughs> the same way that I'm related to, you know, you guys, right. the Human race. Um, some people believe that. And I, I understand, but um, so I, I do think we're unique and that is by design and creation, that there's intentionality behind why we have two eyes and, and why our DNA has a certain code and why it functions a certain way. And, you know, there's just so much order that has to come together for us to, live and breathe in this atmosphere um so i for me it's just kind of a logical conclusion to say there must be a god he must have an order for things he must be in control of time space and matter and then so because of that he you know decided he wants to create us for whatever reason so um but he doesn't tell us exactly what that is and that irks me a little bit i would want to know uh because it has created a lot of debate and um i I think if you the danger here why it's so important depending on where you lean on the spectrum like if it's if it's all about the phenotype what we look like um rationality are you smart or not uh, iq whatever it is whatever characteristics you want to put in that box I think that can be kind of dangerous because what happens when a person doesn't meet that criteria, right? So, what about uh, the infirm? What about, you know, an invalid or something? Are they less in the image of God?
3: Those who can't reproduce. That's another one.
4: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, And so, on the opposite side of the spectrum, you have people think it's all about our function, our functionality and, um, you know, and so a good human looks like this and he he serves the Lord this way and he does these things Well, also, you know, what about these others who, you know, is is someone who no longer serves that purpose less than the image. Like, do we lose that image as we become older? And, and I think a lot of people wouldn't say that, but they believe it. If, so if you think about this uh, pastorally, you know, when we we come and if you have a call to a church, are they more are they going to pick the guy in the wheelchair? Versus the the guy who can walk. Think about that. Think about, you know, somebody who looks different. If, they, if they're comparing to candidates or whatever it is, or people on stage and, and
3: Christian music and stuff, who do they pick to put on stage? Well, you can even typically. go biblical with that between favoring, uh, I think it was Paul who, who wrote that you shouldn't be favoring the rich over, over the poor. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. that's, that's very much our flesh. We, we tend to do this. On God's eyes were all the same. Yeah. Agreed. And that isn't
1: how it is here on earth. People judge people first by the way they look mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. second, by the way they act, you know, <laughs> and that's why the most successful people are good looking. Um, yeah. Because that's, that's the, that they want to put that pretty face out there
3: on the covers and on that note that's why we have faces made for podcasts so. <laughs> speak for yourself
2: um. <laughs> well even intelligence as he said you know it it, it it being created in the image of god does that mean intelligence well you know that means the person who is not so intelligent are they less in the image of god not in god's eyes yeah all create, we're all we're so. all equal yeah we're all so, equal. Uh, I think so, so you wrestled I with that did balance. you come to any kind of conclusions of what uh,
4: Yeah. So I'm kind of in the middle. Um, I think it's kind of there, there's components of all of it that are true, right? Mm -hmm. We are different in our function than animals. We are different in our being, you know, um, you know, an octopus and a dolphin are extremely intelligent. Elephants are extremely intelligent,
1: but they're
4: not, but they're not human. Okay. And so I think we've got to come back to some common sense logic with some of this stuff. And, um, which is why Christians are helpful in some of these conversations, um, if they're ever invited, is because, you know, we we do have reasons for what we believe, and it's not just, you know, magic and fairy tales. Um, but this has been a long debate in the uh, Christian tradition about what does this image of God thing mean? And, you know, who should be... Um, in charge and what what should leadership look like What should government look like what should just war look like all this stuff um but for me it's kind of a mixture of all all of it you know it's it's you know because god said we are unique that's an important component so just accept it um it's also how we function differently than animals um and how we are we're given the the mandate to subdue and create and and cultivate and all these things that he doesn't seem to place upon animals mm-hmm. um now do, do i think angels and and animals are they could they be created in his image yeah sure you know i could argue that uh, but i think you kind of missed the point it's he he says that we're unique for a certain reason um you know and it's not about these characteristics we don't know what jesus looked like we just know most likely he wasn't white you know uh blue
2: eyes, blonde hair. <laughs> right. Yet so many uh, pictures seem to indicate.
3: A <laughs> so, you know. uh, little factoid for you. The, the the man who most of us see as Christ in a lot of the paintings and the, the modern interpretations is actually one of the Borgias who was mm. uh, the leaders of the Catholic church. It was one of their yep. sons. So interesting. Uh, just keep that in mind. We do not know what Christ looked like.
2: Although in my mind, I look, uh, in my mind, I've got a very Jewish looking.
3: It <laughs> so might be your look, I at think the, it looks a lot like Cank Williams. I Schumer. look at the
2: paintings.
1: I'm just, <laughs> I'm just going with the paintings. Are you familiar with J.D. Farag? J.D. Frog. No. For, Farag. He has a YouTube channel. He's a pastor in um Hawaii. And he's a short, slightly overweight Jew with curly hair and balding. Not okay. the, not the, not, the mo- not the most attractive. Not the not the most attractive man, but he's uh a, an excellent pastor and um a really great guy and loves the Lord like no other and um he said, you know, we don't know what Jesus looked like. But he could look just like me. How would you like that? (laughs) It was it was pretty
2: funny. I I kind of like what you said there earlier. You know, it's it's really. In fact, I think we need to do more of this. Uh, We want to always try to find out the reasons, and sometimes it's just good to go back and say, "Well, because God said," you know, why He said we're unique, and you know what? Sometimes we just got to run with that. We've got to accept that because Lean he is the, it. he is the creator and we are the created. Right. And you know, uh, it, it was a, who it, are we to argue? <laughs> we don't need all the answers to know that he said we are unique, that he gave us a task to do. He didn't give that task to a tree. He didn't talk to dogs and give them that task. And we just sort of have to be okay with that. Right. And he creates things that we cannot create. The fact is, is we're never going to create another human being. We're gonna get, you know, we might be get well, close. Now? We might be able to duplicate uh, something similar, but it's still gonna be, you know, it's not gonna be. It's human. still
3: not gonna be complete. I something mean, just like more and, like artificial intelligence. Right. Look at all that; right. all. It just circles right back into well, the main. Topic. Well, like
2: he was talking <laughs> about last week, uh, Joshua. You were saying, you know, in the uh, what was it? Um, Musk. Uh, you know, he tried uh, to make a, a manufacturing plant that was just completely all robotic and all AI. And that works great if everything's perfect. If everything goes perfect and nothing breaks, it's all good. But what are you missing when something goes bad? You're missing somebody who can think on their feet, who can come up with answers, who can make, you know, uh, changes. Well, Call guess, Audible. guess who created that? God. <laughs> right. And we're created in his image and we can do that. But it, I think it's going to be really tough to duplicate that. Well, the thing is, everything
1: on this earth, was put here for us we are to use the trees and use the grass and use the herbs and use the vegetables
3: Hmm. and and mine the
1: soil and the rocks and the animals are we are to take dominion over the animals for our food for our pleasure for our resources for you know in the day they use them for their vehicle you know it's all here for our our use to do his will.
3: But we're not supposed to use other people like that. No, we're not. Right. That's the problem, which yeah. is why we're here. Yeah. So right. part of what yeah. I wanted to do is circle back to, to kind of bring this back to the conversation with Joshua is we talked about the, the, the potential damages of these artificial intelligences. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the way that there can be this version of dehumanization. If you look at the Christian ethic, which we, we've we discussed in detail it talks about how we're made in the image of God and that, that alone is what gives us our value. But if you start to look at the fact that the secular parties do not identify with the idea of an image of God, they tend to look at us uh, as people, as our value, as being nothing more than what we can bring to the table, nothing more than mm-hmm. what they can get from us. So you mentioned earlier, Joshua, that robots are created as a means to an end. And there are many people politically... Uh, particularly with secular ideologies where people are nothing more than a means to an end. And that has led to some of the most um, disgusting outcomes, particularly when you think of like the worst versions of it, which is communism, you know, all the death mm-hmm. and how life is just thrown away under that ideology. And here we go back to bring it all back to the beginning. Christians are not really having our verse, our voice heard in these discussions where the secular, people are, are working on these artificial intelligences because we're not engaging. So Mm. Joshua's book is a, is a great way to start that conversation of how do we engage? Where, where do we start? What do we need to know? And I'm curious, Joshua, um, how should Christians begin to engage with this? Yeah. So, you know, the first
4: step is awareness, which we talked about. Um, so, you know, not just my book, but others, um, definitely worth your while to read about this stuff and to understand um, what the real arguments are because there's a lot of uh, characters of what we're are actually arguing for. and uh, there's a lot of really intelligent people who I think are doing the best they can to to make a better world and and do care about human flourishing and um, they, they may not share the same view of the Bible or Jesus that we do, but they they mean really well. Um, so I think just kind of not just education, but, um, really trying to resist this narrative that's being pushed forward that all AI, all robotics, it's going to make our life this utopia. And that is very much a narrative that I see all around us. Um, and you don't, you don't hear about how, um, ai since the 1960s has been funded by the department of defense it is steeped in the war machine like it's that's why it was it's here um i have a big issue with that um as i'm not a pacifist but man i'm if i can be anti-war as much as i can be um i want to err on that side uh, because the narrative says, What's well, going to make it clean? There's going to be ethical killing. There's going to be less warfare. And I just don't think that's true. One, because Jesus said that's not a possibility. Uh, we're not just going to get to a place of utopia here. Uh, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Um, and that's pretty much true, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think Agreed. nobody would say we're getting better. No. Um, we're getting more moral, less, you know, we're getting more ethical as days go on it's, um, um, it's kind of
3: odd there, there's actually books that talk about how we are getting better all the time mm-hmm. but the one area where we are not getting better is our morality our morality mm-hmm. is, is degrading more and more and more mm-hmm. and the Overton window keeps shifting from here to here to here it's not going to be too long before lives really are looked at as something to be thrown away and discarded if they have no use I mean we see yeah. that with babies already in our culture
4: mm-hmm. yeah and so um, going back to your question, uh, it's resisting. You have to understand what you're resisting. Um, and so all the issues that I see, especially in Christian, uh, like those with platforms and stuff about race, um, about war, about nationalism, all this stuff. I'm like, all that is in the robotics literature. All that's in the, the field that these people are talking about. It's all there. Um, and a lot of these people are not believers. And so it's like, to me, I just see like this big opportunity for us to talk about it and, and join the conversation because most of the world, when they see us, they're like, oh, they, you know, Christians don't care about society. They don't, they're not involved in anything. And, and then you have guys who are tech people and they're talking about this tech is going to make our lives better and easier and, and greater or whatever. Uh, and I think we really, our job is to bring some humility to this conversation and say, yeah, every era of history has said this. Uh, this is nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. Uh, this is just, you know, whatever veiled. it's made anew. And um, most of it is there's racism in it. There's bias in algorithms. Um, you know, this tech is going to be what determines your credit score. What Uh, Who gets selected for the job interview uh, based on how their name sounds or whatever that, you know, so there's so many things we need to be.
3: Take a little further and you can look at what China's doing with the social credit score. Mm -hmm. You you now, Mm -hmm. your relationships, what you look at, what you choose to read or watch on TV, those all will be factored into an algorithm generated by a person. And there's an old programming code called GIGO, garbage in, garbage out. And that's because... (laughs) humans make mistakes and they bring their own biases to it. And if the secular are the people that are writing all of this, mm-hmm. then we are really in danger if we do not engage.
1: Yeah. Right. Well, I've been doing a little research on that and uh, it's coming here and um, it, it's down to, I mean, they got the nanobytes in us, not me, but <laughs> um, they will be able to tell if you're lying because of really? heart rate and, and your sweat glands and this, whatever. And that's going to take down your social credit score and just everything. And, um, where you go and how much t- time you spend in the wrong places. And, and it's like, they're trying to make everybody. controllable. Well, I mean, well, they want to be able to yes. they have control. The funny thing is, is they're looking for people that are honest and, and, to make good decisions and go to the right places and, and like these wholesome folks, but they're the most evil people creating this. And, um, it's like, what's the word? <laughs> hypocritical. I mean, it's completely mm-hmm. hypocritical. And,
3: um but do you have any? uh, Well, I I don't know if I gave Joshua the opportunity. Okay, go ahead. So do you have any other suggestions for how the listeners can get involved in this?
4: Yeah. My biggest disappointment, um, is that more Christian scholars, especially publishers and others have just told me time after time, this is not an issue we need to think about. Um, and so if you really just want to help and i mean buying and requesting this stuff um like we said people vote with their with their dollar and the publisher is only going to give them what they want um and so that's not i hate to frame it that way but even a publisher will tell you you're in competition with everybody else who's writing and i don't see it that way you know i want everybody to do well and but I also know this is a problem because that is the perception that people have is, Oh, well, you know, it's kind of out our hands. And, um, you know, we really don't have any business in that. Like, no, you have all the business in this because, you know, we know what's at stake. We, you know, we've been a part of the abusing side. We've been a part of the victim side. So we understand, you know, there this technology is, very much a spiritual thing robots are spiritual like ai is spiritual because it's got this long view of what we can do with our life and where our hope is so just to give you an example uh just for me personally the other day so i have arthritis real bad in my right knee um injuries whatever um and i was listening to some older gentlemen talk about their knee problems and um I just had this thought like i really hope that we make enough advancements in technology so i don't have to go through that pain and it hit me like a lightning bolt that's exactly you know this drive behind these systems is that we're trying to prolong our life we're trying to use it as a way to like mitigate god in a way because we're supposed to be dependent upon god We're we're dependent upon God for what we get, our, our life, our situation, whatever. Um, and all of this, in a lot of ways, is, is trying to defy that that relationship in God's providence and His sovereignty in our life. And not that God is anti healing or anything like that, but in a lot of ways, you know, I would find my solution in medicine before I say I'm just well, I'm just really going to pray through this and and trust God. Mm. No, we, we go to the doctor and, you know, we and I'm not anti-medicine, I'm, I'm pro-science, <laughs> so don't hear me saying that, um, but just in our nature, uh, and, and I think we see that in the Bible too with the Israelites and the, the focus on the uh, idols and ashrams and all that stuff is, it's really driven by our desire to kind of separate ourselves from dependence upon God, and um, so again we we need to resist that temptation as much as we can um we don't need as much as we think we do um technology wise Mm -hmm. but if we keep consuming um mindlessly if we never question it it's just going to get worse and it's already Mm -hmm. i think at a breaking point um Mm -hmm. but man I just like personally very addicted to certain technologies um it can change your behavior it's altering our state of mind in a lot of ways. And that is not very biblical. If you think about it and Paul talks about not being inebriated, that's the same thing. Like, yeah, you know, to, to go into a dopamine infused state where, you know, you're constantly obsessed with whatever piece of tech. And so it's very, it's very challenging.
2: Yeah. I think even if you take, you know, if you take God out of the picture and we're not even looking at it from a biblical worldview, there is we we want to make everything easier for us we want to make everything to please us and even from just a you know worldly point of view we can go too far in these areas and it hurts us and we can see that i mean okay fine we have robots to service great so they start doing everything pretty soon factories all robots now people don't have jobs. Now they're sitting around doing nothing. That's not good for us. And eventually, mm-hmm, we're going to run out good. of jobs. You know, we're supposed to work. There's, exactly, there's, there's value in work. Well, I'm just saying, you take even the Bible out of it. The fact is, is that the we need jobs. We need to do something. Our bodies were not meant to just sit around. I mean, for hmm. example, we have cars now. It used to be, had to walk everywhere. Then we started using horses a little bit. We started using wagons. Okay, great. But we still did a lot of physical work. Well, because we've limited our physical work, we now have cars. A lot of a lot of things we don't have to do now. We're getting obese. We're out of shape, and that affects our health.
3: Diabetes. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and then we we look at all these other areas uh, in war. Okay, great war bots. I get it, but you can go too far. The mm-hmm. fact is, it is it's never going to be. Septic. There's never going to be a battlefield with droids, fu- you know, battling droids, and whoever wins is the victor. No, eventually it comes down to killing people. If you don't kill people, you know, you're not going to win the war. And so now you, you've got a bunch of drones or, or machines of some sort that's now killing large quantities of people, and it'll become about who can kill the most people with their, you know, mm-hmm. with their robots and AI. Obviously, we can't go too far there in the sexual realm. Certainly, you know, if if you start giving people a way to feed their sexual desires in that way, they're going to figure out whether you're a Christian or not, you're going to figure out that you're going to turn people into sex addicts. You know, you're not and it's not the same. You know again we're trying to duplicate something that God created and he did way better at it than we could. Sex between two human beings is never going to be duplicated with sex between a human and a droid. It just I just believe that's never going to happen. Period. End of story. There's no emotional connection. God made it to be something more than just the mechanics of sex. It's about love. It's about romance. It's about the whole kit and caboodle. And so, you know, we have to understand, we have to decide as consumers, what's, what's too much and when, how, how, what are we going to accept? That's what you said. You know, we, and, I, and I think that's very, very important for us to determine as human beings, what is too much? Where have we gone too far? And then you start adding God back in the mix, and it, it radically changes everything. Because, you know, face it, we are just right now, even as a society, we are overstimulated, we are over entertained. There are things are too easy and we've become lazier and lazier. And the Bible warns us, you know, don't be lazy. You know, we're supposed to work enthusiastically for the Lord. Well, the lazier we get, the less we want to do for God. Hmm. You know, so it's just it's a huge picture. But I'm sorry, I I digress. I'm getting off on a tangent. But anyway, I just appreciate what you said there. It, It kind of brings... You know, as I was reading this book, you know, and just uh, and I didn't get through the whole thing, but kind of was speed reading (laughs) through it. Mm -hmm. um, You know, you've kind of brought clarity as to why it's really important for us to to be knowledgeable. So I appreciate that.
3: I do have a question I want to follow up with. That's a a little different than uh, the topic we've kind of been talking about here. Um, Given that your book references several of the the most engaging and leading minds in A.I., one of them is Ray Kurzweil. And I've read his book, The Singularity is Near. And if there's any time that you should ever hit that white and nerdy button, it was when I just said that. I,
1: you should have prompted me.
3: <laughs> but uh,
2: He's got all these buttons, but he's a little nerd. slow on the buttons. <laughs> Nerd. So, uh, this
1: is-
3: <laughs> I got that one. The nerd button. The nerd button. Put a again on that. So, uh, regardless, with with Ray Kurzweil, he believes, and uh, to give uh, the listeners an understanding, Ray Kurzweil is the head futurist for Google. At least he was. Mm. I don't know if he still is. But he believes in a a post biological, um, technological solution. What that means is he envisions a period of time when your identity, your brain, and your personality could essentially be transmitted into a computer.
1: Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's what I wanted
3: to talk about next. Transhumanism. Transhumanism. The term is called the singularity. So when the singularity Mm -hmm. is is supposed to hit is when we reach this point where we can finally download our consciousness into technology. Exactly. And... May I? Go ahead.
1: Thank you. you. Yeah, ahead. Are you familiar with Dr. Carrie Madey? Okay. She's a DNA specialist. She's been working with DNA for the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years, even though she looks 25, but whatever. Um, so here's a clip from her interview. Uh, it's a 53 minute interview, but here's just a, a couple of minutes um, where she's talking about their plans for transhumanism
0: because I see this as the most pivotal point in human history, because this is the advent of transhumanism right now. They are trying to unveil this and introduce this to the world. And I hope you can see in these slides how there's, uh, there's research and data to prove this. And so what is transhumanism? It's a philosophy favoring the use of science and technology, especially neurotechnology, biotechnology and nanotechnology, to overcome human limitations and improve the human condition. This is a favorable definition of it. In other words, they're taking artificial intelligence and the human being and merging them together. Um, So that's a simplified version. Next slide. So this just shows you um, uh, one of the tech uh, industries. They call this human 2.0, which is also known as transhumanism. It's how to upgrade yourself. And um, scientists propose putting nanobots in our bodies to create a global super brain. So this is talking about these little uh, miniature nanotechnology called nanobots being injected into humans. And then that would be the collective consciousness. We would become a hive mind. So I just want people to know these things are talked about and they have plans for them. Ray Kurzweil, you should really know this guy. He is um, one of the Googles, uh, is a big wig of Google, or has been. He's a huge pusher of transhumanism. He believes in achieving eternal life through transhumanism, through artificial intelligence, through uploading and downloading our memories. He believes the entire world should go to this. And his um, estimate is that by year 2030, that all humans on this planet should be merged with AI, and that is how we achieve eternal life. This is another project. It's a real project. And by 2045, they believe that humans can become avatars or a hologram. <laughs> so no more of a physical body as you know yourself. Um, the avatar A is just a you see a robotic copy of a human and the human remotely controls it through brain interface by thought that they can do. They can do that now. Avatar B is a progression that's when a human brain is transplanted into something else it could be another body it could be a robot something like that they have already started to do that so that is on on the timeline Avatar C is when you you have an artificial brain and then your memories are downloaded into it and then transferred into a body when you you die and then the last is you just become a digital version of yourself a hologram so world economic form
1: so interesting stuff um i will leave a link to that full interview on for the love God podcast.com in the show notes for this episode
3: without really going any further i just kind of want to hear <clears throat> what your thoughts are and what you just heard and what we talked about there
4: yeah uh, i do mention this in the book um i talk about curse wheel <laughs> Uh, chapter two, which everybody skips, but it's a really important chapter because, you know, you trace <laughs> you trace these um, these very white rich men and their their thinking, which is very offensive in a lot of ways um, because they have no clue about metaphysics. They have no understanding of, of even the basic difference of what a property and what a substance is and how, you know, you can't just upload yourself into a computer that makes no metaphysical sense and so any basic student of philosophy would tell you that it's not going to be the same person because that's not how identity works um, and also they make zero room for disembodiment so where is the state when you know you're being uploaded where is the in-between state they don't believe in the soul they don't believe in disembodiment but yet they're going to upload themselves so where where is the connecting bridge here? I, I've yet to hear them explain that. Um, so it's like ten minutes with a Christian philosopher it could be like, here's fifty problems with just your one idea about uploading, um, because it's all physical stuff. Even even the stuff on you know your computer, it's not magic, right? <laughs> Somebody had to sit down and think, how do we get these pixels to appear? They're, all this stuff is embodied um AI, all this stuff. It's it's not magic. They want you to believe it's magic. Um <laughs> she mentioned she mentions sci fi films, you know, it's like you haven't
3: a- It's true. We were having that conversation. <laughs> Sorry, right <laughs> We were we were tempted to tell the uh, actually didn't we say in the last episode we were telling the listeners if you want to get studied up on this make sure you watch Terminator one two and three <laughs> that's right <laughs>
2: you know I, it, listening yeah. to uh, listening to her speak and just uh, considering this I think this take kind of takes us back to that being created in the image of God and we didn't really say this but uh, I I really and this is my personal belief uh, you know and. Uh, It's been interpreted many different ways, as you pointed out. But I really believe that, you know, one of the things that makes us different than other created things is because he has given us a soul, a spirit. You know, the Bible says that, um, you know, that God is spirit in order to to worship him. we we must worship in spirit and in truth. Well, you know, what is that? What is the soul? The soul? You know, it's it's a will. It's something that's we're made to last forever. And I don't believe a tree is going to last forever. I don't personally believe dogs and cats and other animals are going to live forever. But I believe he's created humans to do that. And so you can't just take memories out of something that's been created, put it in something else and expect it to be the same thing. It doesn't have a soul. Mm -hmm. You've only captured the memory of something that had a soul, but it still doesn't have a soul. It's kind of yeah, goes back it, to the same, the same thing as, go ahead, go ahead. You were going to say something. Uh, no, it's, it's basically like we're saying at the beginning that
4: you take this idea about the human as machine, and then you build all of your philosophy and science off this idea that the human is basically machine, right. you know, it, machine is human 2.0. And that's just the wrong start. And so all of this stuff, and there's thousands of pages written about um, this stuff called robotic futurism. And guys like Kurzweil and others who it's like they bought into this very religious idea (laughs) about machines as humans um and like you're saying we we have a solution to that we we have answers to that that they don't have right uh and i I think the soul is and this is why none of them deal with the soul none of them um and why I, i bring that to light in the book is because it is it's something to be dealt with. Um, and if you don't believe in disembodiment, then the afterlife is a little bit of a, a hangup for you. Right. Um, and, <laughs> but it, I don't know, man, I just, uh, I, to me, it, it seems very basic that this is something that they're ignoring. And guess what? They all work for Google. They work for the department of defense and all these other companies. It's all about money. It's all about money, you know, and, <clears throat> so much evil behind misleading people to think that they're going to be
2: immortal right think about that the only you know it's yeah
1: yeah it's ridiculous Well,
2: thinking they're going to take they're going to create something and then it's going to be alive you know mm-hmm. in a sense it, it's just it's the same it, it's the same problem with evolution saying that you know well okay you know all this stuff and this primordial ooze just kind of kind of happened to come together, okay, so let's just get over the fact that it's, you know, the, the, the odds are millions and millions to one that, that all these chemicals and compounds and things will come together to create a cell.
3: And we'll just but, ignore you, the idea
2: of abiogenesis. Like, that doesn't, it's not a problem. But here's the problem. You, you, even if that did happen and you, we can get past all of the odds, you still have a dead cell. Mm -hmm. Something's got to give it life. Someone has some entity, something has to give it life. And that is where everything breaks down. God is the giver of life and we can't do that. And so likewise, you know, we can build all the AI we want and all the robots in the world, but they're not going to be able to duplicate the soul.
3: It's a facsimile.
2: Yeah. Exactly. It's Mm -hmm. just a copy and not even a good one. You just (laughs) tempted me, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) There it goes. (laughs) There it goes. All right.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So, on that note, do you think we should uh, go ahead and go into Songs of the Week?
1: Yeah. um, Where are we at on time? Yeah, we're approaching an hour. Let's do Songs of the Week. All right. That was a groovy song. So
2: groovy. (laughs) Songs
1: of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Rick, would you like to go first? Are you queued up?
2: Certainly I can be queued up in like just a matter of seconds. So this one here comes from someone who is not all that well-known, actually, uh, at least in a lot of circles. Um, The guy's name is Jason Gray. And uh, this song was actually on an album called A Way to See in the Dark. And the song I picked this week is called "The End of Me," and I picked this song not necessarily because it's the best music in the world, but I just the message has captured me, and I just share just a little bit of lyrics here. "The End of Me," he says, "It's okay." That's the way he starts the song out. "It's okay. This is just the end. Don't be afraid. This is where it all begins." And he goes on to say, because everything here had to fall apart, but in the ruins of a broken, broken heart, and he goes on to the chorus, I find peace like a river to attend my soul, hope running over when I let go. I found joy that was hidden for all these years and love overflowing to wash over everything here at the end of me. And the whole song really just talks about how, you know, we've got to come to the end of ourself. And I'll tell you, as a pastor, I have really struggled with this, how to help people come to the end of their self. Because, you know, Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, you've got to lay down your desires and pick up your cross, which means a death to ourself. And I just see so many people that carry the Christian banner thinking that, uh, you know, everything's OK. And Jesus, unfortunately, he says, you know what? there are going to be many that come to me and say, Lord, Lord, and I'm going to say, I never knew him. And this song really kind of talks about, I think a key part in all of this is that we have to come to the end of ourself. And only when we get to the end of ourself and get over ourself and allow Jesus to take control, can we truly, you know, find out what true life is all about. So yeah. song really spoke to me. And uh, for those of you who are listening, Uh, that do go to the Ark this Sunday, uh, which will be really over by the time you even hear this. But uh, really, the whole message, I think, is going to be inspired from this song.
3: Maybe you'll have to put the link Mm -hmm. to that sermon in the show notes as well. Absolutely, absolutely, coming up.
1: Anyway, there it goes. Okay, Um, Sea of Faces by Cutlass is mine. That's a good one. Uh, It's actually a song I requested to play this week. And uh, the lyrics are, "I, I see the city lights all around me everyone's obscure 10 million people each with their problems why should anyone care i am not just a man vastly lost in this world lost in a sea of faces your body's the bread your blood is the wine because you traded your life for mine sometimes my life it feels so trivial immersed in the greatness of space yet somehow you still find time for me it's then you show me your love And in your eyes I can see, and in your arms I will be. And when I listen to this song, what I I see, the way I interpret it, is we are lost. We are one of millions of people and millions of faces and millions of everything. But God can point me out of that pack of madness and just be with me one in one one-on-one. Not only me, but everybody around me. It's a very individual, but with everybody. And it's incredible the power he has and the, everything that he can see at all times. And you never feel like you're fighting for his attention with all the millions of people. Mm. You always feel like you had that one-on-one connection with him. Mm-hmm. At any time.
2: Yep. That's a pretty good interpretation. As I, as I listen to that song, I also kind of think, you know, if I was the only person on the earth, I believe he would have still sent Jesus <laughs> to die for me. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's kind of what it's saying. You know, it's not just about, you know, even though there are a lot of people out there and he died for all of them, you are one of those and you are important to him. Yeah. Pretty awesome stuff. But if
1: you were the only one on Earth, you would have the killing.
2: <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, we're gonna. Yeah, we'll have to skip that argument. Cause that's where we're gonna. <laughs> let's get not analyze my that head.
3: one. Too much. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. So my song of the week, I, you guys, you just heard these really eloquent, beautiful descriptions of the Christian walk and the songs and how they relate and point to God. Mine are none, <laughs> nothing like that. My song is. Uh, it's a Toby Mac song. It's an old song. Um, I'm going to that well because uh, Pastor Rick's wife uh, brought me in this hat. If uh, It's it's a DC Talk hat because I'm just that, that nerdy. And uh, <laughs> so this song is really, it just sounds fun. And when you listen to it, you can't help but have a smile on your face. It's called Funky Jesus Music. Um, I won't even tell you anything more about it. Just check it out and let me know what you think.
2: Funky Jesus Music. Man, I wish we could play clips on the show. I know. That would be so great. That would so be, great. That'd be
3: awesome. All right. So, Joshua, what, what what do you got? What did you come up with for us?
4: Yeah. Uh, well, actually, today, um, this song, uh, I like Andy Minio a lot. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. Um, Italian guy out of New York. He's a rapper, Christian. Um, but he used to be uh, a very uh, non-Christian rapper. Um and the song is Reflections, Rough. And he talks about um, just the, the drive to be successful, um, the, you know, kind of how we get stuck in our own head. And so, you know, I battled with anxiety for a while. Um, some of it having to do with military, some of it not. But um, yeah, so let me just read you some lyrics here. It says, um, I'm probably the king of overthinking, avoiding pitfalls, but it's always opportunities I'm missing. I'm scared to make a bad decision because you live with them. Um, it says Jesus walked, but he sat with sinners. So if you're lost, ask for a visit. We bring our need and then he brings forgiveness to give yourself away. That's the highest form of living. And this is the part, and I'll explain why. It says, listen, the other day I ran into a fan. and She was getting a son- sonogram at the hospital and then tears were running down her face. And she said, I made a difference. She found my music when she was battling with addiction. And when she said she wasn't even religious, but what I said in some interviews had her got her thinking, and then she introduced me to her, her husband, and now they're having their first child. Um, and that actually happened to me uh, on a couple of different times. Um, a friend who wasn't religious uh, came to me for advice about his marriage, and he was actually thinking about getting a divorce, and it was a really bad situation. Um, and I, I just told him my you know, biblical view of uh Forgiveness and reconciliation and I was like you know this is based on the Bible so i I don't know what you're gonna do with that or whatever and and I, I just left it there and they're still married and they have two kids and I think that to me that is the greatest accomplishment as a religious person as a Christian that you know a non-religious person came to me asked me for advice mm-hmm. um, and then took it <laughs> I was like and now they have two children that wouldn't have been here, you know. I'm not saying it's my my fault or my, you know, because of me, but I had some influence in that, you know. What if I would have said, you know, just leave her, you know? And I think about that a lot. And now when the kids are bad,
2: the, it is your fault, just so you know.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, you can't blame me there. <laughs> <yeah. laughs> but yeah that 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 means a lot to me and it's those moments in ministry um we really think about the importance of what we do um and those random mm-hmm. interactions that really are just having lunch, but it changes the outcome of somebody's life wow, um yeah, it's beautiful
2: that that what so. you read that was actual lyric of the song, yeah, wow, that is heavy, yeah. I, yeah. I yeah. Only that in one. rap can you get that many words in a song, though. That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's why I like that genre of
4: Christian music. Um, is it is so deep. And uh, Eshon Burgundy, if you haven't heard of him, uh, ex gangster turned rapper, uh, is just. It's so deep. It's so good. Uh, wow! So I don't know if you like rap, but it's it's sometimes it's the way to go. There was an if you like theology,
3: episode. where uh, I actually uh, shared a, a song by Nicki Gracious as a uh, um, as as the song of the week. So, yeah. I hear you. Yeah, you know, I get down with a little rap. <laughs> 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 Maybe I. You know, maybe I should have. Well, We're going to ground you from the buttons, Jason. <laughs>
2: <laughs> As a worship leader, I've always tried to write music and, you know, tr- we, in fact, I've, I've written many songs over the you know, last 25 years of ministry, but I could never figure out how to get enough words into a song. I always overword them and they all turn out like Dave Matthews songs with just way too many lyrics. And maybe it's just because I was supposed to be writing and rap. I don't know. There you, go. you know, yeah. hip hop. I there you go. get more words in. Well thank you for it that knowledge. A, I mean, maybe you should be a rapper.
3: That. So do we have Not that according I'm, to my kids. Do we have <laughs> <laughs> the only rapping you should do is <laughs> birthday gifts. Maybe like be <laughs> so like Dad, rapping. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Wrong answer. No, tr- trust
3: uh, trust me, I
2: wanted to just add that little rap line to the one song we do, the worship song. Uh, uh, what was it? Let it be known. And my daughter's like, No, you, Dad, are not going to do that. Okay. You're just not going to do that. She mandated it. I have not been allowed to do it because of her. That's so, all
3: the more reason for you to do it. I mean, that's like the power of Dad. Right good there. point.
2: Would you rather.
1: Okay. Would you rather? Okay. The first one, would you rather have a fight with the giant Goliath or fight in a war against the Philistines? Philistines? Mm. A single
3: Philistines? fight against Goliath or be part of a larger army in the, uh, fighting the Philistines. Now, is that question saying you are a Philistine it says against the Philistines. Against the, okay, so you're, at least you're on um, the side of Israel. Because if you have to be on the yeah. losing side, that makes that a very easy question. Um, I think
4: I'd I'd go with the group.
3: Y- you go with being a part of the group. Why is that? Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, just team dynamics. If you, I mean, if you ever served in one of those capacities, you understand. Mm. You know, individually, you can't do much. You know, you get sick. Uh, you get an injury or whatever, but it's really the team dynamic that, that makes it successful. Like, um, think about the green berets, think about the Navy SEALs, you in movies, you see like one or two guys going in, but really they, they operate in really large teams of like 20 to 30 people. Yeah. Um, and so it, it team,
2: yeah. yeah. Okay. Having, yeah. having a little military in my background as well, I'm going to, uh, I would probably stick with Joshua. I would definitely take, yeah. If God gave me an option, okay, I'm going to want to be a part of a team uh, versus be an individual combating one-on-one. Yeah. You were guarding something by yourself and they, they only gave him one bullet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's yeah just as yeah. And
2: just in case you get attacked by a squirrel right well you know here's he, your bullet yeah see he, well he had you know he picked his his weaponry right i mean yeah the squirrel did. Well, no. Stri- <laughs> yeah he came with walnuts <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh my goodness okay mm. so right.
3: how about you how about you jason which one did you pick
1: oh well Uh, Probably a team because it it takes a team. Um, But, you know, David got a lot of praise for slinging that rock and taking that giant out. and uh, Takes a lot of faith. But but I tell you, he couldn't have done it by himself. He needed God, and that's quite the team. Yeah,
3: Mm -hmm. God plus one is a majority.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And I have God, so who knows?
3: (laughs) But, yeah, I'm going with the team route. All right. So while the glory is certainly uh, rather impressive, I I have to agree with all of you. I think I'd rather do the team, mostly because if you fail, I don't want it to be all on me. (laughs) That's terrible. Mm -hmm.
2: You know, and and though we all choose the team, you know, uh, for our listeners, just remember sometimes God likes to put us on the spot so that mm-hmm. we can show our faith and David was put on the spot and showed his faith. So even though our our natural flesh wants to take the easy way out and certainly I would <laughs> if God does put you on the spot, roll with it.
3: Yeah, that's true. right. Have oh faith yeah. And roll if the it. question's that like God came to you and says I want you to do this, then yes, then the answer is yes, I'm I'm, I'm I'll do yeah. it, whatever you want. Yes, Lord. 100% there you
1: go. Okay, next one um would you rather be baptized by John the Baptist, or hear Paul speak to a crowd about Jesus. Uh, definitely Paul. Why? Yeah.
4: Definitely Paul. Why yeah. is that? Uh, I would just. Well, one, you know, one of my one of my friends has this theory that Paul like was kind of think about like a, a Cajun overalls and missing some teeth I don't know why this series was like like what if he was (laughs) what if he sounded really ridiculous in person just so just for that reason just to see what he looked like and sounded like maybe that's why people were drawn to him because he looked silly you know
2: I don't know Maybe that was the thorn in his flesh. It's all those missing teeth. People are always making fun of me. Darn it.
4: Maybe he was like one of the swamp people, you know, and he's just and he's short and fat and stubby. I don't know, <laughs> but really smart. So I think it'd yeah. be interesting.
2: Yeah, I'm going to just go all over that as well. I, You know, as cool as it would be to uh, be baptized by John the Baptist, I would still, uh, just to hear Paul speak, you know, That would be awesome. I mean, you know, the Mm -hmm. fact is, is God used him to give us a whole lot of good stuff. And I imagine he was a man who was very passionate, you know, and then just a whole experience with his conversion. He was definitely zealous for God. And I would just love to be in his presence and get that passion from him, you know? I mean... it's either, if it wasn't Paul, it's like I, I, can't, I obviously I'd rather be in the presence of Jesus, but if it's got to be you know a human being, it's the Apostle Paul. So
3: yeah, hmm. yeah. Oh, so my, Okay. I'm gonna be the contrarian. I think I would rather be with John the Baptist. Uh, really? Uh, so Jesus' own words said that there was no one born of women who was mm. greater than he. Ooh, that's so. Ooh, that's I'm very going. True. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna stick with what the father said there, and uh, and uh, <laughs> just kind of uh, <laughs> just lean on that a little bit, and like rub it in your eyes, you know? What I'm yeah. Uh, but that being said, mm. John the Baptist was also quite the character, you know. Joshua was telling mm. us about the idea of like, what if, what if Paul was a swamp people? But John the Baptist kind of <laughs> <kinda> was. Kind <laughs> <laughs> of was. It It's true. true. Wearing sackcloth and. And uh mm-hmm. so all right let's let, let's test you with a little bit bo- of a little bit of bible trivia here Joshua what what was uh John the Baptist known for eating
4: Wasn't it uh locusts or grasshoppers dipped in honey
3: Yeah wild honey and locusts Yeah, yeah. very good yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. sounds yeah. very unappetizing. Yeah Well
1: you, well, you know, know it, is, it is
3: cicada season so. No wait a timeout <laughs> cicada <laughs>
1: There are and locusts are two different things.
3: I I believe you're right, but I, I thought they're kind of related.
1: They're they're they don't look nothing alike. Okay. A uh, locust is, is uh like a grasshopper, but it's brown in color instead of green. Right. Okay. Looks exactly like a grasshopper. And Sincata uh, looks like an alien. <laughs>
3: <laughs> there All right, you have I'll it. I take hopes. your word. Right. <laughs> so, I learned me something new. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, uh to be fair, I I called, I thought cicadas were locusts my whole life. I recently did research. Okay. Which is why the knowledge is still there and hadn't fell out yet. Understood. So I'm going to turn.
3: Have you never
4: seen one? Which... You guys not have them there? What? A cicada? Oh, yeah. We got lots.
3: The cicadas I've seen.
1: Locusts? Not so much. I mean, probably. We just didn't know it was a locust. You you thought it was a grasshopper. They're they're a lot bigger.
4: A locust is, is bigger. You could, it's,
1: yeah. Oh, so it's like uh, a giant grasshopper, uh, like a giant brown yeah. grasshopper. I heard they're I very nutty. The, I'm going to
3: have to go home and research They're this probably
1: now. nutty. I think got a nice Steve, Uh
3: One of the minor prophets
4: mentions them and that they're like an army of horses.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And in Revelation, they talk about how when the locusts come, they mm-hmm. sound like helicopters and... Mm. Do they actually well, mention helicopters in Revelation? <laughs> what the- no. You're so right. You're so right. You're so right. They they use a different word obviously. They obviously use a different word. What was the word? It's in the message. <laughs> <laughs> they, well, God did know. God did know. A. G., A. G. Peterson, God did, know. Appreciate God that, God well, did know.
2: Sounds like
1: helicopters. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, um, uh, it didn't say helicopters, it said something else. So that's. Um, <laughs> And, um, <laughs> so well, on that note, does anybody know? As
2: you can tell, we like to have fun.
1: Anyway, know. it doesn't matter. Hmm. Um, we don't out.
2: know what you're picking yet. Are you going to go?
1: Oh, with John the, the Baptist. I want to get baptized by the same person that Jesus got baptized by. That's, uh, yeah, that would pretty, that would be awesome.
3: Would and be how awesome. would you like to be the person like before or the person after? <laughs> Christ gets I gotta,
1: I gotta find out what that, Super, okay.
3: <laughs> That's going to eat at, I'll, you I'll, I'll wanna give you, at you. I want
1: to give you guys one more. One more. You and and while you're answering, I am going to look that up.
2: The guy after, would he be standing there going, no. Is somebody going to speak when I get baptized? <laughs> I don't see anything descending on me. Either, uh, what's going on here? Right. I'm mm. being jebbed. Yeah. I don't think you're doing it right, John. Can we do that again? <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. So, let's see. Oh, here we go. Let's let you guys spin on this. See Would you rather see Leviathan or see a dragon?
3: Well, the Bible does talk about both Leviathan and Behemoth. And technically, Behemoth, we think, was uh, something like a brontosaur. Mm -hmm. And considering Mm -hmm. that most cultures have an idea of dragons, and dinosaurs and dragons were probably synonymous... I'd say you're you're're you're, you're kind of still biblical with the question, so I think I would rather see the behemoth if I'm honest I would want to see the the big, big animal that's slow and eats from the trees and that just nothing more than that looks like it'd be pretty cool.
1: I'm totally wanting to see the dragon I mean really, yeah, a flying dragon. Fire breathing? I was. I mean, that would be amazing. But I don't, don't want to see, see that. I don't want to.
2: <laughs> I don't want to see.
1: I don't want to see the Is one there that's, a
2: protective uh, screen in front of us. <laughs> at I mean, what, w-
3: only <laughs> at the zoo. Uh,
1: yeah, the dragon at the dragon zoo. zoo. <laughs> it's right next to the bats. Not the Komodo dragon, dragon Jason. It would be awesome.
2: <laughs> I, either one would be yeah, awesome. With this one, sir.
4: You said Leviathan or uh, Or a, a dragon.
3: dragon? Yeah.
4: So Leviathan's like the, the massive alligator. I, I don't I think I'd want to see that, really. Um because of Lake Placid.
3: <laughs> okay.
1: Well playing. <laughs> well played. Oh. Well, played. <laughs> 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 I got the verse.
3: Okay. <laughs> go continue on. Go. Okay. This is eating at him, so is it, was, it well, all right? Go All on. right.
1: Okay. The locust. The shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold, and their faces were like faces of men. They had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth, and they had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. Where'd That's I get a helicopter? I don't know where I got a helicopter, helicopter, but I'm thinking maybe the chariots sound like helicopters. I don't know.
2: A flying chariot with a lot
1: of horsepower. We, we need maybe. a sat
3: trombone I after that one. Thank so you. I, uh, mystery.
1: <laughs> mystery solved. The okay. Mm. Wow. A trombone comes later, earlier, if I missed it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I found it. Okay. So,
2: as for that last question, so I'm still not—I'm still trying to figure out what they—what this question really means. Typically, these are like you know all biblical things, and so I'm not—I'm thinking biblical dragons. So, are we talking about the dragon from Revelation? You know, Mm, like that mm, one? I do not want to see. I don't want to be here for that. I won't be here for that. So I'll be at the supper. Although I would like to take a look. You know, that would be interesting to take a look. So if that's the dragon we're talking about. I'm thinking of like a look, a look. I don't want to be close. I just want to see so I can, you know, help interpret. It, it would help me interpret. Because, you know, I don't care who you are. Revelation is, that, that's uh, deep mm-hmm. stuff. And it's uh, difficult to, y- you can't just, I don't know. I don't even think you can interpret it without, you know, the spirit. Um, it, but that would be really cool. So, yeah, if, if that's the dragon we're talking about, I'm going to choose that. If it's a fire-breathing dragon that, you know, flies, and then I'll take Leviathan. I think it... Because I don't want to be any it, new... Revelations Dragon Breeze Fire. You know, honestly, I don't remember
3: that. I mean, part. it's... Maybe.
2: maybe.
3: It's right after the yeah. helicopter's verse. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's swatting the helicopters. He comes in swatting helicopters. <laughs> don't you know?
3: I'm Did sorry. you read it? Oh, uh, Lord, I apologize. <laughs>
2: Well, All right, well, oh, good fun. where do we go from here? Well, We I can think only go to closing. We That's can go it. to closing. Um,
1: uh, Josh, uh, we typically ask our guests to close this out in prayer, if you wouldn't mind. Oh, wow, yeah,
4: absolutely. Great. Father God, thank you so much for uh, these men. I thank you for their families, um, just their life and what they're trying to accomplish here uh, on this platform, God. I, I pray that you, you give them wisdom, grace, and energy to accomplish uh, their mission and and their purpose here on earth god and i uh, just thank you for our conversation i hope it's uh, edifying to you and mm. to the listeners god and so um, yeah we just give you all the praise and we just thank you for laughter and uh, for the things that we get to t- talk about and, and knowing you and and what you reveal to us god so uh yeah we love you and we trust you with all the things that are ahead of us so mm. in jesus name we pray
3: Amen. Amen. uh, Thank you so much. Joshua, it's really a pleasure to talk to you again. Um, You too, man. This was a great, uh, great topic. It definitely speaks a lot to to what my personal interests are. And uh, you kind of got to see a little more of of the personality of the three of us on this episode after the technical difficulties. But uh, (laughs) we sure, sure are glad to have you.
1: Yeah, it was a pleasure having you on the show. And if I ever find myself
2: out in the swamps of uh, Mississippi where there's nothing but swamps and bad, look for John the Baptist. (laughs) I will will stop by for a visit if I'm ever out there on a Sunday. For sure. Come on. (laughs) Right on. You have a great evening. Um, And
1: that's it. Thanks so much. Have a great day, man. Appreciate you guys. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. That was fun. Folks, thank you for tuning into this episode. Um part two with Josh and uh it was a uh,
3: very enlightening and um It was weird interesting. We went, we went from really heady stuff to like just a lot of slapstick humor and that's that's quite the uh those seems seem to be diametrically opposed, but it worked. So hey, yay god.
1: Yeah, yay god. Rick, any final thoughts?
2: Um yeah. Um, I'm going yeah, go check out Revelation because apparently there's some really cool stuff there that we've missed. Helicopters, um, Helicopters, you know, dragons, all kinds of cool stuff. But uh,
3: there was a thought you had earlier that would have made a, a really good closing thought. Do you remember what, before the show started? You said,
2: I, you know, wow, I don't remember. That seemed like days ago it uh, was, before the show.
3: It was some type of a joke, and I can't remember what you said. It was a play on words. Oh oh, oh, oh oh the guy who invented zero. <laughs> there you go.
2: Final thought for the day. And this goes out to you to the man who invented zero. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> oh, on that
1: note. say night Rick. Good night Rick. Good night, Nate. Good night, Nate. Good night everybody.